Now, I, <clears throat> I am dedicating this uh, sermon to my mom. Uh, this is one, I uh, did not plan this out, but after, after reading through it and meditating on it, this, this will be a sermon that she would preach. And, uh, so I will try to, I will try to do it justice as, as she would. She wasn't a teacher, she was a, she was an evangelist, so she, she got a little bit more fiery than I do, so I'll, I'll see if I, I'll see, we'll see, we'll see what happens during this one. Alrighty, has everybody got your QR code and scanned it in there? Got your, alright. Uh, for those of you who came to the marriage conference yesterday, we had a wonderful time. Thank you for coming. And uh, we're going to be having, next month, we're going to be having a uh, parenting seminar as well. Kim's going to be in charge of that one. Today, our sermon is taken from Genesis 19, and it is called An Inch at a Time. So go ahead and those of you without the, without the notes, go ahead and turn, uh, turn into uh, uh, the Genesis 19. Our big idea comes from Luke 17, 28, and these are the words of Jesus, and it says, Likewise, just in the day, just as in the days of Lot, they were eating and, and uh, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. So the idea is that things were going on, business as usual. Father, we thank you for this sermon that uh, we're about to receive. Lord, would we internalize it, make it part of who we are, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have you heard the story about there, or the, you know, the illustration about the frog in the pot? The old saying there, you know, I, I don't know if anybody ever would ever do this, but, you know, the idea is that, you know, if you have boiling water and you throw the, you throw the frog in there, it hits the water and it tries to jump out instantly, right? But they say, you know, if, if you take a frog and you put him in a, and you, you put him in a, a pot of water and then you turn up the heat a little bit at a time, you know, he's saying, hey, okay, this is nice water. Oh, okay, hey, it's a jacuzzi. It's getting a little bit warmer here. Hey, feels good. And the frog will be cooked and never, and never know what's going on. Why? Well, because the heat just got turned up a little bit at a time. I'm reminded of a story. This church was having their, their uh, golden jubilee. And uh, they decided it'd be nice if they invited all the living pastors back. And there happened to be three of them. It was the last. It was the last three uh, of the pastors who had uh, who had ministered at the church. Pastor sat down on the front row, and uh, old the oldest of the three, he looks over there and he goes, "Hey, when I was here, the organ was not over here, but it was over there." As a matter of fact, I tried to move it, and they fired me. The other pastor there, a little bit, uh, not quite as old as the second pastor had been there. He's like, yeah, it's the same thing. He said, it's, I, he says, I, one day, he says, I decided that, hey, I was just came in here and I moved it. And you know what? The next day and the next Sunday after Sunday, they, they fired me. I looked at the, I looked at the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the current pastor. I said, how in the world did you get them to move the organ? He goes, well, it was easy. He says, every Saturday night, I came in here and I moved it one inch. <laughs> Inch at a time, it gets it done. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Lot today. Oh, remember last week as we were discussing uh, how the uh, God came down to Abram with the two angels there, and 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 uh, Abraham, uh, you know, you know uh, God announced to Abraham and to Sarah that hey, you're going to have a son next year. Well, the other two, the two angels, they went on to Sodom and Gomorrah, or to Sodom, I should say, and it says. 
The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. And when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his with his face to the uh, to the earth. All right, a little expo- a little explanation here. Lot has been making progress, maybe. He you know, he started out. He was a he was a sheep herder. Him and him and Abram they came together. Now we look at that. He's a He's a resident with a house inside of a city. Matter of fact, he is in a place of honor. You see, in in Old Testament times or in biblical times, the elders would sit in the gates and they would they would hear arguments, and it's kind of like their court system. You would go to the you would go to the gates and uh, you would you, you would bring your problems there, and then uh, you would ask the elders to to issue uh, to issue a uh, issue a ruling. So we see here, no longer do we see Lot as the herdsman. But he is now a city dweller, and he also has some high standing. But remember how it started out. They came up, uh, Lot and Abraham came up out of Egypt. And they had too many sheep between them. And Abraham, Abraham says, hey, I'm going to give you the choice. You choose one side, and I'll go to the other side. You choose that side, I'll go to this side. And so it says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the Jordan Valley. It was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Lot started out taking the best of the best for his, uh, for his, uh, for his herds. Then we take a look. We see Lot mentioned another time. And it says, Abraham settled in the land of Cana while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. So he goes from the lush valleys, he heads south, and he kind of decides, hey, this looks like a good place to set up my tent. We, next time we see Lot mentioned his place, says, this is whenever the, the kings came down and, they, uh, and they, they captured Sodom and all the cities around there and they took them captive and Abram, Abraham went after them to rescue him. It says, and they also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom and his possessions, and they went on their way. Wow. Inch by inch. They went, he went from being a shepherd to close to Sodom to finally in Sodom. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. And that's, a, that's something that we have to know. Paul was speaking to the, uh, to the Corinthians. He said, I wrote you in a letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all mean the sexually immoral of this world, or the greedy, or the swindlers, or the idolaters, since you would have to go out of the world. We're always going to be, we're always going to have people around us who are not Christians. We need to be careful about where we allow those people to be in our life. Paul would tell them, don't be bound together with unbelievers. Many times we use that, we use that when we're talking, when we're talking about people who, uh, when people should get, who shouldn't get married. But you know what? It applies to all of us. We are in Socorro, but we don't need to be of Socorro. 
you know, you can drive down our city. We see drug addiction, homelessness. We know there is corruption and that crime is a major problem. We are in Socorro, but we are not of Socorro. We are called to be salt and light and to take Jesus Christ into there and not allow, not allow the world to change who we are. Paul would tell the Romans, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then that you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, God has a perfect will for us. Just as God had a perfect will for, for Lot. But it comes with not being conformed to the pattern of the world. Oh, yes, teenagers, you, you gotta go to school. But you don't have to act like the rest of them, do you? You don't have to allow pop culture to influence what it is you do. We need to make sure that even when we're in the world, not to be of the world, and for us to discern what the good and perfect will of God is for us. Now, we can have a chance, we can take a look at Lot, and kind of most of us, we kind of have a negative view of who Lot is, don't we? Well, here's Lot, man. He started out as a herder. What happens? He goes closer and closer and closer to Sodom. And now all of a sudden, he is in Sodom. He's actually a leader there. He's, he's sitting in the gate. We might tend to think, we might tend to think, uh, there's something wrong with Lot. Or maybe, maybe Lot is sinful. Matter of fact, you know, he's living amongst, uh, among the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And they're terrible sinners. You know what? Lot is still a good man. How do I know this? Well, go to the New Testament. We check out what it says in 2 Peter 2, 7. It said, And if he, speaking about God, rescued Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for that, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormented, tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. So you see, Lot is in Sodom. He's been promoted, he's been promoted within there, but he is still holding on to his righteousness. And notice, it's not easy. You see, I don't see how people can be, well, I'll put it down. I don't see how people can claim to be Christians without fellowshipping with other Christians. Because we see here, what? Lot is tormented. Because you know what? We let, we, you know, Lot, I mean, uh, Abraham was bargaining with God about finding righteous men there. And probably Lot was the only righteous man. Remember he said, Lord, if we can find 50, how about 40? How about 30? Finally he said, how about 10 good men? God could not find 10 good men in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I think as we look at this, we can safely say there was one good man. Notice, notice what's happening to him as he's living in this place. He says, he lived among them and he was tormented in his righteous soul. You see, it's hard to live this Christian life by yourself. It's hard to stay on fire for the Lord if you're not with other, if you're not, not with other believers. It's hard not to let the, to let the, the dust of the earth, the dust of, of the world 
kind of cuts, kind of stick to you. It takes a regular cleansing and washing so that we don't, so that we don't become like the world. Well, let's go and continue on in our story. Now, angels come to Lot, and he says, My Lord, please uh, turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you will rise up early and go on your way. And they said, No, we'll spend the night here in the town square. But he persisted strongly, and so they turned aside to him and entered his house, and he made them a feast of baked unleavened bread, and they ate. So once again, we see Lot, pretty much like Abraham last week, right? Showing hospitality, bringing them in. He knew what type of he knew what type of city what city he lived in. He said, "No, no, no. You, you come and you live. You come into my house. Come under my protection." And so, as being the hospitable host, much like his uncle Abraham, he brings them in his house, feeds them, gives them a place to rest, and brings them under his protection. Now, for those of you who are familiar with the story, you know what, you know what happens, you know what happens next. A mob forms. And it says in Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 19, verse 4 and 5, it says, but before the dawn, before they lay down, excuse me, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house, and they called to Lot. Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out that we may know them. So we see angels sent to see if the outcry is really what they have heard, what, what has gone up before God. And it is. Now, Sodom is an example. Notice, Peter has this to say, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to those who are ungodly. Sodom is an example for us. Now, my family, know that even though Sodom is an example, Sodom was a real place with real people that really got visited by the wrath of God. Also, we look at God's Word, and we see that whenever it speaks about Sodom, Sodom is spoken of metaphorically, about wickedness and evil and judgment. And you know, if we want to find out about Sodom, we, uh, we also have to go and then we have to look up and we have to see all that the Bible tells us about it. That's the topical part of, so- of, of looking at Sodom. And finally, when you go through these, you have to be exhaustive to find out exactly what God's opinion on this is. Because you know what? Many of us have the same opinion when we think about Sodom and Gomorrah. We think about homosexuality. Yes, I said that out loud. And you were thinking that too. But is that the sin of Sodom? Well, we look here and, and, and we look here and what the Bible tells us there, and they're saying, send these men out that we may know them. Once again, that's a euphemism for, that's a euphemism for us for sexual intercourse. So yes, that first part, but you know what? It is more than that. The sin of Sodom. It's great. The Lord says, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah has been great, and their sin is very grave. You see, their sin was so bad that the people around them began to cry out to God about what was going on in Sodom. We see the sin of Sodom mentioned a little bit later. Now, the men of Sodom were wicked. They were great sinners against the Lord. 
You see, no sin is bigger than another one. Sin is sin against God. What does it say? When we look at Isaiah, speaks metaphorically about Sodom, and he says, he says, for look at the, uh, look on their faces, bear witness against them. They proclaim their sin like Sodom. What? They do not hide it. Woe to them, for they have bought evil on themselves. In this proclamation, Jerusalem and Judah were Sodom. But you know, it's, uh, God is, uh, is saying to them that, that, uh, that Jerusalem and Judah has become just like Sodom. And what is, happens there, we see they, what are they, they, they proclaim their wickedness. They shout it aloud. They tell people they, they're proud of what they do. And you know what? I'm so, I'm so reminded of, of what, we, what, what was the trend on social media not long ago, where it was to shout your abortion. Tell people what you have done. Proclaim how many you've had. The sin of Sodom was that they reveled in the sin that they did and they proclaimed it. They were proud. Ezekiel would say, speak about Sodom again. He would say, behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom, speaking about the northern kingdom. She and her daughters had pride, excess food and prosperous ease, but they did not aid the poor and the needy. What is the sin of Sodom? The sin of Sodom is great. It is multifaceted. It is one that does not care. It does not care for those who are around them. It is one that oppresses. It is one that is prideful. Jude says, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desires, served as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Sexual immorality, unnatural desire. So what can we do if we say this? What is the sin of Sodom? The sin of Sodom sounds much like the sin of the United States. Sexual immorality, number one. Homosexuality. Oppressiveness. Uncharitableness. Proud, wicked, ungodly, openly sinful. It's not about one sin. It's about a multitude of sin. It's about being proud about immorality, being proud about being what sin you have. It's shouting out that you don't care what anybody else, that your truth, your, your truth is your truth. And your morality is your morality. We could fill out the same sinful list on Socorro, on New Mexico, on the United States. And I do believe that the list, our list would be a lot longer than this. You see, we have to be careful not just to drill down into one thing. And we're pretty good about this. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll call it homosexuality. We might call out sexual immorality. Very rarely do we talk about people being selfish. Sin is sin against God. And sin causes judgment to be poured out. Let's get back to our story. Lot went out to the men of the uh, men at the entrance 
of his door and he shut the door after him. And he says, I beg you, brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and, and, and you do with them as you please. Only do nothing to these men for they have come under the shelter of my roof. Look at that. He has taken these men to, as, under his protection and he's even willing to offer up his two, his two daughters to the crowd. And what happens? But they said, stand back. This fellow came to sojourn and now he has become a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. And they pressed hard against the, against the, against the man Lot and he drew near, and they drew near to breaking the door down. But the angels reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house and they shut the, and they, with him and they shut the door and they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both great and small, so that they wore themselves out groping for the door. Took an angel to intervene. Took an angel to strike blind the mob. And so what happens? The angels tell Lot, save as many as you can. Go and find, he says, they said to Lot, have you anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone that you have in the city, bring them out of this place. For we are about, we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against this people has become great before the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his son-in-laws who were, in, who were in this, who were to marry his daughters, up, get out of this place for the Lord is about to destroy the city. Lot is on the, on the verge of panic. The angels have given him, the angels have given him a charge. Save as many as you can. He goes out. He's beating on doors. He's telling them, you know, danger is coming. God is going to destroy the city. And you know what? They didn't believe him. They thought it was a dream. It says his son-in-laws thought that he might be jesting. Save as many as you can. But he couldn't save anybody else but those in his house. The time's up as the sun, as the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot saying, up, take your wife and your two daughters who are with you, lest they be swept away with the punishment of the city. But Lot lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand and the Lord, and the Lord was being merciful on him and they brought him up out of the city and they brought them out and they said, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills lest you be swept away. Notice this. His journey to Sodom. One tent site at a time. One lodging place at a time. Bringing himself into the very gates of the city to a place that had tried to break down his house, assault his visitors, been told that God is going to destroy this place, and yet he lingers. So that the Lord has to, uh, they, 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 they grab him and they take him, they pull him. Because judgment is coming. By this time, Lot is close to a panic attack. 
Here's what he speaks to the angel. He says, Behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, there's a city that is near to flee to. It is a little one. Let me escape here. Is it not just a little one? And my life will be saved. And the angel said to him, Behold, I will grant this to you, this favor also. I will not overthrow the city to which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing there till you arrive. The name of the city was Zoar. God is, God is trying. He's getting his people out. And you know what? We see people dragging their feet. We see people unwilling to flee. We see people unwilling to look at what God does. And then when God points the way, it's like, God, this is too hard. I can't do this. I'm going to, I'm not going to be able to make it. Yet God hand, holds his hand out one more time. You see, my friends, sin is a terminal condition. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you wanted to pay. Yet Lot lingered. He'd spent, he built a life there. Judgment is coming. And yet Lot doesn't want to leave. Judgment is coming and Lot doesn't want, doesn't want, doesn't want to get, to, to go to the mountains. I can't make it that far. Fire and brimstone is about to come down. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar and the Lord rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the heavens out of, from the Lord out of the heavens. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities that grew on the ground. My friends, judgment is coming. Complete judgment. What do we see happen next? But Lot's wife behind him looked back. She became a pillar of salt. Receive the same warnings as Lot, her, her husband had had been spared, had been pulled away, had made it all the way to Zoar, had come to the gates of the city. And yet she has regret. There's a life that she has built. Maybe she's left behind children. Maybe she's left behind friends. And what does she do? They come to the gate. And what does she do? One more time, she turns and she looks. And judgment falls. She turned to a pillar of salt. Because she didn't obey the words of the Lord to flee and not turn back. A block of salt. There is a, as a judgment. Jesus gave the commentary on this and speaking about the coming of the Lord. He said, remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. Judgment is coming. We can no longer hold on to the world and say, you know what, just a little bit longer. Let me just hang out in Sodom just a little bit longer. Let me enjoy, let me enjoy premarital sex just a little bit longer. 
Let me just let me let me just enjoy a little bit of drunkenness. Let me enjoy just a little bit of illicit drugs. Let me enjoy just a little bit of gossip. Let me enjoy just a little bit a little bit of excess. It's a Christian liberty. Judgment is coming, and we have been told to flee. And many people don't want to let go. They've held on to it because they've been in the world, and now they are of the world, and they don't want to let go. They want to look back one more time, but looking back. Is dangerous. Would you be like Abraham? And Abraham went down in the morning to the place where he had stood before with the Lord. And he looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and towards the land of the valley. And he looked, behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. I imagine Abraham's heart broke because he had interceded for these cities. He had said, Lord, spare them. And yet now as he looks out and he realizes there were not ten men. There was only one. Looking out and seeing the smoke rise and knowing that God's judgment had fallen. My friends, judgment is coming. So I have to ask you the question, is future judgment a reality? We believe it to be. And so my question is, if future judgment is reality, what are we going to do about it? We have received a greater warning than a word from an angel. We have received the warning from God's holy word. We look and we see great wickedness. The time for wringing our hands and saying, Oh me, this is wicked. Oh, I can't believe the homosexuality. I can't believe the transgenderism. I can't believe this. We need to stop wringing our hands and we need to start getting as many people out of Sodom as we can. Because judgment, future judgment is reality. William Booth, the founder, the founder, uh, the founder of uh, the Salvation Army. When asked about his method for, soul, for, for saving souls, he says, I think the best method of giving people a burden for lost souls will be to take them to the devil's hell and allow them to experience what it is to be lost in hell, separated from God for an eternity in the fire that could never be quenched. Then I believe that men would truly have a burden and know what it would take to be a soul winner because they would see what it is like to be lost. If future judgment is reality, if you firmly believe this, then you know what? You are called to do something. You're called to be a watchman on the wall. You're called to attack and to begin to knock on doors and begin to get as many people out of Sodom as you can because future judgment is coming. I want you to sit in silence and I want you to listen to these scriptures. And I wanted to let the, I want you to let the Holy Spirit tell you tell you something today. Luke chapter seventeen. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking and buying and selling and planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. 
Jesus would say, the Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out, they will weed out the, his kingdom. Everything that has causes sin and all those who do evils, these he will throw into the blazing furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And finally, in the book of Revelation, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had, what they had done as recorded in the books. And the sea gave up the dead that were in them. And death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. This, my friends, is a future reality. If you're going to believe God's word, then you need to believe all of it. And you have to believe that there is a judgment coming. Not just to sit by passively, to wring your hands to look at those who have done wrong. But to become, but to become a soul winner. Become one that says, you know what, if they're going to go to hell, then they're going to have to step over my body. Other people in your house who are not saved. If they're going to go to hell, let them, let them have to push you beside, out of the way to be able to go through the gates. Other people in your, at your work who don't know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, then you know what? Your place is the lake of fire. Even good people go to hell. Only those who are saved don't. Right now, Hades is full of good men and good women because they were not godly men, godly women. C.T. Studd said, Some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. See, we have not been called to be a museum of saints. My friends, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a saint. But we have been called to be a rescue shop. We have been called to make a difference. Yes, we will continue to do good deeds that point to Jesus. But you know what? We can do good deeds till Jesus comes. We need to warn people that judgment is coming. Yes, we can feed the poor. We'll continue to do that. We'll continue to give clothes to those who need it. But you know what? Without a gospel message, they're going to go to hell warm and full and not, and not even be thirsty. 
We need to tell them about Jesus. And you know, part of telling them about Jesus is that Jesus is coming. And you know, the next time that He comes, when He comes, He's not coming as the, He's not coming as the Lamb, the gentle Lamb, the one who was slain for salvation. But Jesus is coming as the Lion, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the one who will judge the world, the one whom earth and sky will flee from His very presence, the one which we will all stand before. Is there anybody you know as God put somebody on your heart who needs to get inside? Who needs to leave Sodom? Who needs to come into the kingdom? Is there anybody can you grab a hold of? Can you touch somebody? Can you warn them that that judgment is coming? Don't allow us to be moved an inch at a time in the wrong direction into apathy, into an idea that it's just us and nobody else. Know that judgment is coming. It's on the horizon. And you, my friend, can make a difference if you listen to what the Lord has placed in your heart. Let's bow our heads. Oh, Father, we love you. Lord, you said that you're not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Lord, judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. Is there anyone here today? You know that if you were to die, that when you walk out of here, you wouldn't go to heaven because you have not made Jesus your Lord and Savior. Is there anybody here like that this morning? If you need to make Jesus the Savior of your life, this morning is the time to do it. I want to ask you, be bold. I'd like for you to come to the front Let me pray with you and welcome you to the kingdom. Is there anybody? We'll just linger a moment longer. My family, being a Christian isn't a matter of saying the right words. It's about following Jesus. We have all been called to follow Him. And my friends, we've all been called to save someone out of the fire. What we're going to do now, we're going to sit in silence. And I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart about who you're supposed to lead to salvation, who you're supposed to bring to Jesus. We're just going to spend a minute here.
Father, thank you, Lord, that you are speaking to your children right now. Lord, give them courage and strength and supernatural ability to minister to that one that you have placed on their heart right now. Lord, don't let them sleep until they have sought your face. Lord, keep this person in their heart and on their mind until they do, they develop with you the plan. Present salvation to them. Lord, place a burden on their heart for the lost and for this lost person in particular. Lord, give them your words. And thank you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May he bless the work of your hands that they may prosper. May the Lord give you the opportunity to execute the plan that he has given you. My friends, I bless you now. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for attending this morning. Remember, we have a business meeting here in about 15 minutes, but stay, fellowship, talk.